Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Taylor Benterud. Taylor is the COO and founder of Better AMS. He specializes, or their company specializes in Amazon advertising, and they help brands on Amazon doing between seven to 10 figures grow their brands faster through better ads management. They started their agency in 2016, but got super laser focused in 2019, went from doing about 300K a year to doing over a million dollars in 2020 and now more in 2021. 15-person team. Taylor, welcome to the program. Happy to be here. So, uh, dude, we've got lots of topics to discuss today. Uh, I know off camera we were we were having a discussion about Bengal cats. Uh, maybe we'll <laughs> come back to Bengal cats later. If, if your yeah. Bengal cats or my Bengal cats make a guest appearance and we hear them <laughs> in the background today, we can, uh, we can talk more about that. But talk to me about how you started your digital agency. You guys are specialized in Amazon today. Uh, and I want to talk more about that as a platform later. But how did you guys start? Why was why was the agency created? I was 18, coming back from Serbia, playing semi-professional football in Belgrade. And uh, was working in construction when I came back. And was just like, this is not for me. And I didn't want to go back to school. Uh, my family's pretty entrepreneurial. And so I decided, okay, I'll work in construction and try to start something on the side. My dad ended up buying a little uh, small Amazon business. It's just a supplements brand that sold one, pretty much just one supplement on Amazon. And this is 2016, right? And so at that time, Amazon as a platform was just an absolute blue ocean. And so when I ran the advertising for my dad's little brand, I mean, I could win the keyword testosterone booster and get like a 30 cent cost per click, which is just a gold mine for profit. So yeah, uh, I thought I was just God's gift to Amazon advertising at that time and didn't really realize I was in a blue ocean and uh, decided, okay, I could probably do this for other people. Went on Upwork, I think it was. Uh, maybe it was called something else at that time. Signed uh, a few clients. The first client was like $4,000 a month. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of money for you know logging in and changing, so doing some PPC management. So that's kind of how it got started back in 2016. You mentioned that Amazon was a blue ocean at that time. I imagine <laughs> it's gotten more competitive. I know there are lots of businesses out there that are even set up to train people on how to succeed in Amazon. I imagine there's a lot more agencies that are focused on that. I personally, I actually don't hear about it enough. I mean, it's the number one e-commerce platform in the world, and I'm I'm kind of often surprised that I don't hear about Amazon, you know, more in general agency circles. Uh, so is it, tell me about the competitiveness of the Amazon ecosystem now. Uh, are we still getting 30 cents a click? 
No, uh, no. It, it, it's extremely competitive. I imagine testosterone booster. Now you'll probably pay $15, $20 a click to win page one uh, on Amazon. So exponentially more competitive and uh, not only just on the advertising side, but also as an agency to you know win ideal clients, I would say it's exponentially harder as well on that front. How, I mean, are there a lot of agencies that are focused specifically on Amazon or, or is it more that some agencies, you know, are generalist firms that kind of extend their PPC arm into the Amazon space as well? There seems to be a lot popping up in the last two years that are solely specialized on Amazon. I think people started to find out that this is a blue ocean and became more and more known. And so just all over the world, they're popping up these Amazon full service agencies. Um, So two years ago, it was less common. Now it seems to be very common. And we... I gauge that based on how hard it is to find talent. So we are constantly trying to find Amazon advertising experts. Seems to be our biggest bottleneck for the last 12 months in the agency. And it's been really hard. Uh, Everybody seems to be hiring relentlessly. So yeah, I would say there are a lot of agencies. And actually, to your point, the bigger agencies that are already doing all these other channels like Facebook ads and Google ads, and that just launched an Amazon arm, so to speak, it, it, that's actually kind of more or less starting in the last 12, 18 months more than ever, I would say. They're, they were kind of slower to pick up. I think a lot of, I mean, obviously you have to be selling on Amazon to take advantage of Amazon ads. I mean, that's I mean, that's probably the biggest thing is if you're not currently a business that's selling uh, you know, a product or drop shipping it through Amazon or uh, or through their marketplace or or like a book, right? Then yeah. Amazon ads are obviously not a great fit for you. Whereas if you're selling on, you know, a Shopify store, you can be advertising on Facebook or Google, you know, uh, type of things to, to drive traffic to that. What mm-hmm. other, I mean, I think as a consumer, we see Amazon advertising through sponsored posts and things like that. What other kind of marketing is there available within the Amazon platform? Is it just advertising or is there a lot of stuff that goes on organically within product listings and things like that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff uh, that we don't touch because we want to stay really laser focused at this point. But like, you know, Amazon marketing agency, if you're full service, if I'm answering this question correctly, we'll do, you know, listing optimization, which is just how can we increase the conversion rate of this particular listing on Amazon? And that has to do primarily with imagery and, um, you know, content, and then also just ranking in itself is a major topic in Amazon. And so uh, how do you, uh, you know, make sure that your titles for your products are well-written so that you can rank for all the different possible keywords that have the most traffic and short tail, long tail, everything. So definitely uh, Amazon advertising, I would say is one of the biggest in terms of like the service that you could offer to drive the most value, the fastest, but there are many other things like content, uh, imagery, ranking, and then it gets even deeper. Like some agencies go, you know, all the way up to, you know, dealing with managing the operations and the inventory and talking with suppliers in China and, and making sure that you never run out of inventory. One of the biggest issues is people don't really know how to manage inventory effectively, especially with COVID going on last year. It's been it's been nuts. So I've I've heard uh an entrepreneur group I was a part of actually had one of the businesses started selling on Amazon. And huh. they were so successful, it bankrupted him and put him out of business. And I was huh. like, 
that doesn't make any sense. But he like walked me through it. And the the types of products that he was selling, it was an automotive. It's like really high mm. cost of goods. And mm. basically they crushed them and then they couldn't fulfill and they had to like walk away more or less from, from the business and the contracts really, really hurt them. So I know that that's, that can be a big deal, right? They can drive so much, you know, demand for, for products on that side. But you mentioned that you're staying laser focused. So you're not doing some of the conversion optimization or content. You're literally just focusing on the ad management component for your clients. Yeah. So for ever since we started, we've offered one service, which is primarily Amazon advertising. And only about a year ago, did we launch another service, still Amazon advertising, just a different type. And it's the programmatic advertising within the Amazon DSP. Probably some, most people are probably familiar with DSPs, demand side platform advertising, and Amazon has their own DSP. And that was a completely different ball game. You know, the original service that we've done for many years is very bottom of funnel. You know, people are searching for a toothbrush on Amazon. They're obviously have intent for purchase. So programmatic is much more upper funnel and um, it's, it's, a, it's a different ball game. So that's the second service we launched, but yeah, it's still very much parallel to what we're doing. And we're trying to maximize MRR with these two services before we go and jump into you know, like listing optimization, which would probably be the next jump since it would help the overall ROAS of everything else that we do. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Quick question for you. Could your client retention rate be better? Most small businesses are terrible at closing leads, so it's pretty common to churn lead gen clients quickly. But I've been really impressed with a new all-in-one marketing platform that actually closes leads without clients having to get involved. The platform, which is called High Level, is built specifically for agencies, and the best part is you can white-label it so you can present it to your clients as your own software and collect that sticky software revenue in addition to your services charges each month. High Level normally has a 14-day free trial, but as a member of the YouGurus community, you have access to an extended 30-day trial, which you can access at gohighlevel.com forward slash YouGurus. That's gohighlevel.com forward slash U-G-U-R-U-S. All right, let's get back to the program. So one service, how long did you stick with, I mean, really one market, one service, which I love mm-hmm. hearing that because I feel like so many people are just so resistant to that. Yeah. Um, was it was that the idea from the founding of the business or was that kind of a refocusing and saying, hey, we, we probably should just focus on one thing? No, that was the idea from the beginning. I was really blessed. I had a really good mentor. He said one niche, one service, nothing else, just laser focused until you you know, put yourself in a little small pond where you can become a bigger fish and then, you know, hop out into another one once you've maximized it. Um, yeah. Was there any challenges with that hyper-focus? I imagine you probably had clients or opportunities where they said, Hey, Taylor, won't you just do this little thing? Like you guys are already in there. Let's just do this other stuff too. Like, was it challenging to have to say no to some of those opportunities? Maybe in the beginning, because I lacked the experience of like how to run a business. I was 19 years old. I mean, I just never had run a business and uh, wasn't entirely sure, but I just stuck to my guts of like what the mentor was telling me and said, okay, like, no, can't do this. I'm sorry. We're focused on this one thing. And looking back, hindsight, it was an absolute blessing because I know people who started at the same time as me and then kind of got spread too thin and then plateaued and then you know, we were able to kind of go further, but 
yeah, so we it was a little bit difficult in the beginning, but I think just because of lack of experience. I know a lot of, I'm going to kind of change gears here. A lot of our listeners are big fans of Gina Wickman's book, Traction, and the mm, system yeah. of entrepreneurial operating system. And when I was, you and I, I think maybe it was when I was doing an interview on your YouTube channel, you brought up that you're, you, you started the agency and you realized that you're an integrator and mm. you actually went and got a visionary. You went and found a, a co-founder, a business partner to be visionary of your business, which I thought was a less than common path. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you made that decision and how that process has worked for you? Yes. Well, I wish I could say I read the book and was like, oh my God, I need this person. It was actually more so the person was already on the team and I read the book and I was like, aha, this is actually perfect. I already have the person and uh, she ended up being the visionary. I was the integrator. It, it, so the story itself, how it occurred is I hired Destiny. She was an account executive, started out part-time, moved to full-time after one month. And then six months in, maybe nine months into her working with the agency, I was pretty burned out just being an integrator for two, three years. And I was like, Ooh, I, I think I'm going to take a break from this agency and kind of walk away from it, start a different venture. And so I told her, I said, Hey, I'm going to walk away from the agency here. Um, here's all the resources you need to run it by yourself. And uh, if you need me, I'm on call, but basically it's on you. And you're definitely going to need to learn how to sign clients. Um, and, 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 and here's kind of like the lead gen system I've been utilizing. And, and so Six months went by of her running on her own. Maybe it was nine months, but she was able to double like the MRR. Of course, it dropped a little bit in the, in the first two, three months, and it took her some time to get lead gen, but she doubled it. And I was like, wow, I've never, you know, I never would have thought that was possible. And at that time, I was also reading uh, Rocket Fuel. I think Gina mm -hmm. Wickman also yeah. wrote that. And I was like, this is it. Perfect. So I told her, I said, hey, if we get to like this milestone of like 50K MRR, I would definitely want to give you equity, uh, et cetera. She brought it up to like 35, 40, and then she got super maxed out, needed help. So I came in, hired another person and never looked back. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. So, yeah. So you actually walked away from the business for a period of time. Yeah. And handed it over to a team member. Mm -hmm. Which was our only real account executive at that time. Like I want more insight on that. Cause I feel like there's so many, like most agency owners, if I, if I said, Hey, you know, walk away from your business for six months and give it to a team member. You know, I can imagine people are listening right now and they're going, wait, what? Like, how would that even work? Who would I, you know, do they, you know, did, and she didn't get equity at that point. So she was just kind of no. still running it for a paycheck. And yeah. you were kind of like, Hey, take the keys to this thing and see what you can do with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, that, Sounds like a really awesome person. I mean, obviously she's come in and, and become visionary of the business. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. some luck, it sounds like, to that. But also, I mean, just kind of being, you know, like that just seems like a really bold move that I feel like a lot of agency owners would feel very apprehensive about. I think um, having cash in the bank, having faith in her abilities and just being very young and like, La I don't want to say lackadaisical, but just not caring. Like I was so, I'm done completely at this point that I was just like, I don't, I don't care, you know? So it was kind of this mental burnout of like, you know, being an integrator for two, three years, not having a visionary. And I didn't know it at that time. 
and also lacking culture, lacking a mission, lacking a vision, having, you know, my energies very much focused on materialistic gain. And, and, and my mindset was not in the right place for developing a team at that time. And uh, I think that's why we were, you know, plateaued at like 25, 30-ish uh, K MRR um, and constantly fluctuated down to like 20, yeah, between 20 and 30. So for me, it wasn't even in a question. It was just like, okay, this is done. I'm going to go do a different venture. And it worked out so, so lucky, you know, but uh, I wish I could have told you, I'm like, oh, I'm missing a visionary. I'm going to go look for this person, <laughs> hire them. And like, it was this genius moment. No. <laughs> I mean, we can connect the dots in hindsight yes. that yes. obviously there was uh, some things fell into place. And mm-hmm. I think what I want to highlight for our listeners is that there's there's always this, uh, like one of my mentors sent an email out this last like week talking about, you know, that life has a menu and then there's also a secret menu. And I feel like you tapped into a secret menu of like, if you are burned out on your business, maybe there's alternatives to shutting it down or going in, you know, and just totally closing its doors or whatever. Like maybe it's, maybe it is letting the team run it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen if you're going to shut it down anyways and they Mm -hmm. take it over and they shut it, you know, they, they run into the ground then, well, Hey, we were, we were back in the same place. What did you do when you took some time off? Like how much time did you end up taking off from the business? And what, what did you do in that, in that meantime? I think it was, I think it was between six to nine months. Uh, what I ended up doing was, I believe it was, I can't remember if it was launching or scaling PPC AMS Accelerator. Oh yeah, I think it was first PPC AMS Accelerator, which was a course that we designed for you know the, the ideal client that we would typically sign for the agency, but it was a course model. And uh, they paid, I think it was like 4,800 up front. And we taught them more or less our strategies. So we, we, we transitioned, or I launched a venture with a different partner. Same, like if you can imagine taking our done for you model and then just putting it into a course and launching that, it, we did that. And so I did that for two months, I think after I walked away from the agency, maybe three. And then also was just like, ooh, I really don't want to do this. Even though that venture was going like ridiculously well with really high margins, um, walked away from that. And then I think I, I think there was a little bit of a lull and I don't quite remember what happened in the lull period. Um, I I was, I was, I was definitely focusing a lot of time and energy on lead gen enlightened, which is what it was called at that time. And it was more so helping agency owners who are kind of just wanting to get started, scale up and, uh, get an agency to maybe 25, 30 ish KMRR which I didn't feel too good about because I myself never really scaled the agency in a way where I loved it. So even after doing that for like three, six months, I was like, "Mm, this doesn't make any sense. So it was kind of just a spinning my tires, I guess, for six months until the agency started scaling by itself. And I was like, oh, this is really exciting. And then hop back into that. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, Taylor, is I find that sometimes that more time passing with a business can sometimes solve some interesting problems. And it sounds like you had somebody else that was kind of running it, but you know, whether it meant more time and like working out some of those basic systems to kind of run things more time to give some team members, some, some things, or maybe more time to just to let general awareness about your business, like get out there. So you get maybe more like referrals and word of mouth business. But sometimes we always, I feel like in this instant world, we always want like, things to happen. Like, oh man, I'm gonna go in and like change the culture of my business today and I'm gonna get a different result. And sometimes it just takes 
time. And maybe, maybe that six to nine months just helped your, the, the core business kind of mature a little bit. I think it also requires a little bit of self-awareness to uh, the, the lead gen enlightened program that you're doing. I, I think there's a lot of internet marketers out there. that are like, Oh, I went and ran an agency for a day. Like I'm going to go and build a course on it. Right. I mean, that's a pretty common yeah. thing that we see out there, which is uh, yeah. you know something that we obviously fight with here at YouGurus, which is, you know, we've been in this business for a very long time and, mm-hmm. you know, people that had one client one time, like five years ago, right. Are now building a course on it. I know. Yes. And that I, I, I almost felt like that in a sense. I'm like, oh, okay, I ran this agency for two and a half, three years and it got to a good MRR pretty quickly, but I still just didn't feel really too great about trying to launch a course at a time when I was like, I just walked away from the agency. Now I'm going to launch a course. So yeah, after like three, six months, I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? If I want to make a course, I better love my agency and like really scale it to a point where it's, it's a real agency that can run on its own. And that's been the the last two years and it's been the best uh, ever. And I've been the happiest and the most aligned. Yeah. So when you decided you're like, Hey, there's this person on the team, they could obviously create the vision for the business as a founder of the company. Now bringing a team member into the visionary role I mean, how does that work? Because that just, to me, again, like I go back to thinking about so many of my clients, so many of the people that I've come in, you know, built relationships with through entrepreneur organization. I mean, like the the founder is the visionary, you know? Mm. And so it, it just, it's like this very logical, like, oh, they, you know, woke up one day, decided they want to start a business. They created a vision, right? They started working on that. And, uh, you know, and if they were lucky, they found an operator to help them to kind of be high follow through on some things. But how did you create or set your team member on a path to actually start creating a vision for the agency? Mm, it occurred really naturally, uh, to be honest. I mean, of course, when you walk away and just say, I'm gone, uh, there's there was pretty little training. I just said, here's some links to resources you can go through to learn lead gen. And uh, I'm here if you want to call me and like don't hesitate, you know? And, uh, there was some calls that we had and, and, and whatever, but really I think that just insane amount of pressure of like, she came from an agency that had somewhat of a, I guess you could say weak slash toxic culture, uh, prior to joining us. And then she gets thrown into this role where it's like absolute ridiculous autonomy. You're basically running the thing. Uh, great. And then she's like this, okay, well, I really like this autonomy and whatever, and I want to scale this and make it work. And I think just the pure pressure like turned her into a diamond, so to speak. And she, you know, she's naturally really competitive, raised in a really like competitive in terms of like sports and and different things, kind of family that very hardworking. So her background, her personality, her work ethic, it all just aligned really well. And she's a natural visionary. She's the antithesis of me completely. And I think that after nine months of her running the agency and her, of course, scaling the agency to a point where she got it further than I got it, pretty much without me until I stepped in and, and hired someone and then started uh, helping out, it gave her a lot of confidence to you know step more into the visionary role after she saw what she could do. you know, And it became this kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy of like, her believing in herself exponentially more. That's how I kind of see it. She may say it a little bit differently, but it wasn't like nine months later, she was the ultimate visionary. It was, of course, you know, we've worked together for three years now, but the first year was, you know, month after month, getting more and more confidence. And then year two is when I think we actually established that she was going to be the CEO 
uh, and uh, definitely the visionary. She's always thinking long-term. I'm always thinking like six, 12 months. How can we, well, year one, how are we going to get that? And then she's five, 10 years out. You said she's the antithesis of you. So describe yeah. some traits of you and then uh, describe okay. some traits of her. So what, what does that, what does that mean? Uh, she sees, she's so good at building relationships. First of all, like she's the ultimate connector and I'm not, I'm like a hermit. I don't want to talk to people, put me behind the curtains. I'll tinker with the machine and figure out how it works and give me like more or less the vision. I, I'm happy to just bring organ. I, I'm happy to like organize chaos basically in the shadows. So I was never good at like big relationship connections and building rapport so beautifully like she can. So naturally when she stepped into sales, she was exponentially better than me in a very short period of time. I think she was just able to resonate with people so much easier. So that's one big thing. The other is just that she sees social dynamics so much better than I do. For example, I see the system in a way where I can see how it works structurally and how the components interact from like a very binary uh, mechanic kind of way but she understands it in a very social dynamic way. Like, oh, but if we do that, this person's going to think this and that's going to affect the culture in that way. And I never really think like that. And then the most obvious one is just that she's always thinking like five, 10 years out, uh, we could do this, we could do that. Uh, I see potential for this. And then I'm more like, okay, but right now we can only do this. And uh, <laughs> I'm working hard to get this done and I can't do 10 things. So I'm rude. I'm, I'm very much looking three, six months. What's the immediate bottleneck today that we need to fix this quarter so that we can try to hit our end of year goal that she kind of more or less set the vision for? Yeah. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's e, the number two, m, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. And I think that, you know, as a, I've done a lot of work in and around the EOS space and having somebody say no to a visionary, right? Say, hey, this is what we have resources for right now, or we're already working on this um, so do you want us to do this or that? Right. I think that's, yeah. you know, it's like every visionary is like worst nightmare. It's like, Oh, wait, wait, you have to, we I mean, we can't do all 30 ideas that we had. Right. Uh, <laughs> which is why when you have a visionary that's running, you know, that just is running the company without that filter. Right. Then yes. that becomes like that drag of like constantly starting new initiatives without ever finishing stuff, which can be, um, which can be a painful experience. The, the the other just thing that comes to my mind is <laughs> we have conversations probably every week about like we should look into raising capital because like we can't do all this stuff and I'm just like yeah like I would hap I would love to raise cash because a lot of the ideas she, that she has are really good and I know that they would be amazing we just don't have the cash for it and it kind of comes down to well how do we get the cash we could raise money and. I, we're not sure if we want to do it just yet. Uh, we're, we're, we're debating it, but yeah. 
So talk to me about the culture now. You've gone from, I assume, those early days before you kind of walked away from the business, Mm -hmm. you know, a few people, right? I mean, 2025K, I assume you didn't have a huge staff, but now I think you have a staff close to uh, 15 people. Um, Mm -hmm. So how has the culture of the business changed now that you have kind of a solid leadership team in place and there's, there's more moving parts? Well, the culture in the beginning was centered around my lifestyle, right? Like, again, the company itself was two, three people. We had a couple of people in the Philippines and we had uh, typically an account executive. I also had a business partner to begin with who was very important in the beginning. And he was also kind of an integrator and it didn't work out. And I, I ended up buying out uh, his equity and that was a year so that's kind of something I didn't really mention, but I learned a lot in that relationship. But the culture was centered around, you know, lifestyle for the owners, me and my partner, myself, when he wasn't part of it. So that sucked because it's, that's never fun to just like have, you can't build a team if there's no mission and vision and everybody's just working to help you acquire some new material or enhance your lifestyle and et cetera. And so I, I was able to mature, fortunately, and uh, the culture now is very much focused around people's centricity and like, how can we create the the best experience for our clients and also our people internally? How can we get the greatest results for our clients and operate with with the utmost efficiency? And those are kind of the three things that we're trying to master within our mission. And so... The culture itself is quite tribal, I'd say. We we're very like connected and we lost our first team member ever just just a few weeks ago. And somebody else on our team was like, we should throw like a departure party, surprise departure party on their last day, etc. And that person who left got offered a really cool position for a competitor in our space. And it was such a legendary offer. And like we were so stoked when he told us when he came to like leadership and he was like, Hey, I'm leaving. It was so sad. Like I had like almost tears in my eyes. Like, but but uh, I was also so happy for him uh, because it was such a unique opportunity that we couldn't offer him. And he was shocked, you know, that we weren't like giving him backlash because he. I think he'd probably experienced that maybe in the past. And I think that's quite typical uh, for it not to be a celebrate celebratory moment when somebody leaves. So um, that's kind of one example of how the culture is now. It's very much tribal. Everybody loves each other. I would say, and uh, we do our best to ensure that it's as tight as possible and the love is as deep as possible. And obviously time is a major element, so that can't be forced. It just takes time to develop that. But yeah, I don't know. That was kind of a vague description of the culture now. Yeah. no, And I, I love the insight of whether it can be done or can't be done, but just the challenge of building a really good culture without a vision or mission, especially if it's a lifestyle related business. And if the owners are like, Hey, this business is just to support my lifestyle. You know, team members may or may not, how they feel about that may or may not really resonate, right? Getting up in the morning, like, Oh, I'm just here to like work hard. So my boss can surf another day. Right. Like versus yeah. having a, a vision, not to say that mm-hmm. you can't be a boss and surf every day, but like having a, a, a North star for the business that says, Hey, here's where we're going. Here's why we do this. Um, you know, we all get get paid and make money, and that's great. But we also have a good purpose, right? So I think that's a that's a big takeaway uh, for me, and also hopefully for our listeners today. If you do, mm-hmm. if you do have lifestyle goals, I think that's okay. But I think if you do want to motivate people and create that culture, you know, you probably have to dig a little bit deeper than that. I, even for me, like happiness was so low, right? Like it's so much higher now that we actually have a mission and like a vision, and there's like a purpose, and we all kind of rally around it. It's just so fun 
to be part of a really cool tribe that everybody, every new person that comes into the team makes everybody else better. And so that's so exciting to just grow that and everybody else keeps getting better. And you, I just find I'm exponentially happier than when I was focused on myself. Well, Taylor, I've got a lot of notes, some great takeaways. I'm hoping our listeners have gotten some inspiration and <laughs> motivation from your story of how to think differently about their business, how to potentially uh, solve problems in unique and different ways. I think your your story has a lot of great nuggets from it. And, uh, and this has been a lot of fun. Are you ready for our lightning round? Let's do it. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? Okay. What first comes to my mind is how to understanding systems thinking and bottlenecks. I guess that's just the first thing that comes to my mind. For business, I would say best advice I've ever received. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Waking up at the same time within a range of like 30 minutes, starting work at the same time. So I'll wake up 7.30, start work 9, finish work 9 p.m., hang out with the girlfriend, the wifey, 9 to 11 p.m., get to sleep and repeat for six days and then take Sundays off and then take a week off every quarter. So sticking to that routine I've found has allowed me to keep the most, be the most productive. And really within all of what I just said, the ultimate takeaway is just set hard boundaries for when you're going to start and when you're going to stop. And then you'll never experience burnout because you're setting your own boundaries and you're sticking to them and you're not getting pulled into the vortex of constant like fires and communication and 1am responses. And like, I did that for years. That sucks. I feel like we're going to have a whole podcast episode about some of the stuff you just said, but we're in lightning (laughs) round. So we're going to keep moving. Uh, Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? Uh, a new tool because all the other ones people would know. Notion, I love it. It's a company Wikipedia, kind of like a directory for all information. Love it. Notion.so. And what book would you recommend and why? Ooh, my favorite business book is The Personal MBA by Josh Kaufman. And why? He really breaks down all the mental models that you should understand. I mean, in such a good way that Google hired him to speak at Google. So. A little bit of social proof for him, I guess. And then the second book is Power Versus Force. It's uh, not business. It's about spirituality and uh, applied kinesiology and some really legendary things. I I won't go too much deeper than that. Well, we will link out to the personal MBA and Power Versus Force in our show notes. So if listeners are curious and they want to check them out, we'll include links to both. So check that out at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you are out on a run or in your car, just check out our website. We'll organize lots of good takeaways, nuggets, key points, and those links to Notion, Personal MBA, Power versus Force. Taylor, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? I would just say the YouTube channel, uh, Taylor Bentrude, first name, last name. And they should also check out the interview I did with you. I think that one was a fantastic interview. We will link out to your YouTube channel as well. And I will, you know, you brought it up. So I'll link out to my interview that I did on your channel as well. Uh, On the show notes page, we'll also link out to your agency. So if people want to find out more about you or, you know, stalk you on social media in an ethical, (laughs) normal way, uh, we'll link out to those profiles as well. But definitely check out Taylor's YouTube channel, doing great stuff, uh, teaching people lots of stuff about business, entrepreneurship, Amazon, and, uh, and how to run an agency. So definitely check that out. 
Uh, dude, thanks so much for stopping by the program today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.